boom, no intro. And I was told uh, by Jordan not to do the, hey, what's up, you guys? Uh, no intro this week because we're going to change the intro. Um, that intro was from uh, when I was just doing this deal by myself. So we got another person in on this one. So I feel like we need to update some things. So instead of uh, just throwing it on here for another week, we're just going to not do the intro. We're just going to jump right into things. So uh, it's Christmas time. Uh, CrossFit Christmas, that is. So uh, Murph, the workout Murph, is going to be this weekend. We're going to talk about the uh, torrential weekend in Texas, which actually I was very impressed by the entire weekend, but we'll break down more of that as we go. Um, the Monaco Grand Prix, which uh, still not very uh, sure who had the bright idea of not scheduling it on Memorial Day weekend. Um, and uh, we got Jordan with the dirt, but we're going to start by talking about uh, the CrossFit Christmas, as I refer to it. <laughs> so this uh, this Monday, while everyone is you know, taking a day off work, or most people are taking a day off work. Respect to the people who work at Cracker Barrel and fast food restaurants like I used to. Um, well, and Jordan, to some degree. I don't know. Did you ever work on Memorial Day? Uh, yeah, I used to work at a prison, so okay, uh, that didn't that. mean anything to me. So we, <laughs> we had the former prison guards. Uh, my wife is a nurse, so... Um, you know, she's kind of got seniority there, so she can kind of dictate her schedule a little bit, but, you know... Um, yeah, there's still people working, but for the most part, a lot of people have a day off on Monday. They're going to be cooking and grilling and camping, and a lot of people are on vacation. It's one of the first major beach weekends. So, but, uh, can we just can we just take a second and uh, recognize why we have this holiday? Ab absolutely, brave men and women. Absolutely, brave men and women that, that serve this country every day and. And deal with the stuff that me and you don't, so that way we can live in this free country. Yeah, absolutely. You got you got more you want to add on there? I would gladly go ahead, take this over. No, I mean, I just, I just feel that a lot of people owe more thanks to the brave men and women of not just law enforcement, but you know, military that see stuff every day that we couldn't even imagine, and the stuff that they go through when they come back. We just the, this this holiday is not about flipping a burger on a grill and drinking beers with your best buds. It's about honoring the men and women who have fought, died, who are still alive today, who still defend us today. That's what this holiday is all about. So I just wanted to give them special reg recognition on here and make sure everybody takes the time to really thank them. Any military person you see, whether it's from World War II veteran Vietnam veteran, Desert Storm, or even today, you see someone in, in a military uniform, thank them, pay for their bill at a restaurant or something, show them the respect they deserve for what they do for us. Yeah, exactly. And and while we're at it, let's, uh, I mean, let, let's do some shout outs. Uh, people we know personally, uh, I know Lakin, Lakin Wedlock, uh, someone who we grew up with. Uh, still very involved. Um, I, she's Air Force, right? She's Air Force, yes? Yep, she's Air Force, yep. And she, is she still at Dover? Yes. Yeah. Um, I love hearing stories. I don't. I haven't gotten to see her in years, but 
I uh, love hearing stories about her, and uh, I know her mom is really proud of her. Um, my brother-in-law, Christian Gray Childress, uh, he was in for a while. He's no longer. He's he's actually living in Austin, Texas, where you know uh, where we were just talking about. So shout out to him for his time served. Uh, he was a tank operator, and he uh, he seemed to really enjoy that part of it. I don't think he enjoyed the being overseas part quite so much. But uh, shout out to him, Jordan. You got how many? Uh, throw out some names, people. Um. Well, Scott Cock comes to mind. He's a, a former Marine. Um, I believe he was Marines. Um, Dylan Liddick, uh, one of my boys that I grew up with in in baseball. Um, he was he was definitely a Marine. Um, and Matthew Forney in the National Guard. Um, those are the three on the top of my head right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, the kid's dad, too. Michael King. I'm, I think he, he was just... Was he Army? Um, I think he was Army, yeah. I can't remember if he was... In, I, I almost want to say he was in the Marines, or he... I don't remember. But I know he did... He was over there maybe 10 years ago he went overseas so but i don't know i can't can't remember that i can't remember if my buddy scott cock i can't remember if he was marines or or army but all i know is he's a certified badass and that's all that matters so um but just just throwing names out there but this is important because uh i i to i i can't think of anyone off the top of my head that I know personally that we lost overseas. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to regret this later, and, and people are going to dawn on my mind. But you know, Memorial Day is obviously for remembrance, not necessarily of people who are, you know, still with us. But you know, that that doesn't take away from uh, just thinking about any anyone in your life that has had military experience, whether they are no longer with us because of the fight they're fighting because of whatever else i mean it's it's a time for reflection as you know for everybody yeah and and before i forget also my father-in-law fought in uh i think desert storm um i think he was army not 100 percent sure but he's also a, a lieutenant with uh york area regional police department up here so much respect to him too well and our grandfather on on dad's side actually fought in World War Two. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. that's another one. We we never met him, so I guess he's not one of the first ones that comes to mind. But uh, he was over there in the Philippines, I, I believe, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I have no so idea. I, I, just, I remember. I, I remember. Think he, think he took pictures. I remember seeing like a hat or something. I saw some kind of documentation. He was over there on on one of those islands in that area. I I, I can't remember the name of it though. Um, but yeah, this, we're kind of rambling here, but this is a good little exercise. Just think about the people in your life that you, you should be considering on Monday, um, before you, you know, head to the beach, head to the pool, fire up the grill, sit by the campfire, whatever it is you're doing this weekend. So, um, so with that, we're going to, uh, move into the... Uh, Michael Murphy story. I think Jordan froze. Did you freeze? You still there? He's kind of giving me a thumbs up. <clears throat> so, um, I'm back. The, the reason I call it CrossFit Christmas is 
But... The, the CrossFit workout Murph is synonymous with CrossFit. It is probably the most recognizable what is called a hero wad. And what a hero wad is, is a, a workout named after a fallen military person. It can be any rank, any of the divisions of the military. Oh, yeah. So, and Murph is the one that became one of the most popular. Yeah, you did Say what? Go ahead, Jay. You did do these last year, didn't you? Okay, so yeah, I did. Well, I did Murph last year, and I actually did a, a double Murph. So I'll kind of explain that. So last year with, with these Hero Wads, I did, um, while we were, you know, all locked down in COVID, I did uh, 22 Hero Wads in 20 days. So basically it was like every day I was doing another one of these. And these, these are typically very, very difficult, uh, just hard workouts. Um, and so the, the way I got, I doubled up on Murph on Memorial Day. And so what I did was I did it the first time as prescribed. And then the second time I did it scaled with no weight vest. Um, the reason I didn't do these, I'll, I'll explain Murph here in a little bit again, just like what it is for those of you who don't know. And I want to get Jordan's reaction to this because I think it'd be funny. Um, but the reason I didn't do that this year is because I kind of looked at it from a different lens. Like last year it was kind of just about people seeing it and just like, Hey, you know, even though you're locked in, can't go out, doesn't mean you can't be active and, and doing things. And so that was what it was. It was more about inspiration than anything. And, you know, there was a lot of days when it's like, I'd follow up a really, really hard day with another one the next day where I would just barely be moving. I do all the movements, but it would take me forever to do just because I was going so slow. And I don't think that that message was portrayed good enough. And it's, it's basically when it comes down to it, you can't do these hard workouts every single day. It's it's a bad message for a personal trainer to be, just anybody, personal trainer especially, to be like saying, oh, hey, look at these 22 really, really hard workouts. Do these every single day in May just because. Um, and the reason I did 22 was because of the, the 22 suicides a day. That's where that came from. So, um. The reason I didn't do it this year was just because I, I need I wanted to step back off of it. And next year I might do it as a suggestion, but not as like a like do this workout every single day. More like a hey, this is this is one you might want to try, and just highlight the uh, the story behind the the person the workout is named after, rather than so much the actual workout itself. So I think that would be a good exercise in May next year to to kind of bring awareness to the fallen members and kind of give a little bit of backstory on them rather than focus on hey look at this killer workout. So um, but that's what that's what that was about last year. So Murph, uh, the guy is his name was Michael Patrick Murphy, and he was a Navy SEAL. <clears throat> and the he was Lone killed. Survivor. Yes. Exactly. He was he was in the movie Lone Survivor. Um, obviously, he was not the survivor. That is how this came to be. But um, he... Uh, so the reason the workout is what 
it is is because this is a workout he did regularly like while he was over there um and he didn't call it obviously murph he called it body armor he just that was the name he gave to it and so what it is jordan so give your reaction after this is it's a one mile run it is 100 pull-ups 200 push-ups 300 body squats and then another one mile run all while you're wearing a weight vest of for a man it's 20 pound weight vest for a female it's a 14 pound weight vest you uh you lost me at a mile (laughs) (laughs) there's no way i mean i can run a mile but i ain't doing nothing after the mile i can tell you that i am not meant for distance (laughs) well it's it's not about i mean plenty of people do it and they walk it but um so first things first let's get the this part out of the way um it's really fun to go out there and show out on that workout and like really do the best you can. But again, this is, this is more about, you know, kind of remembering that the reason we're allowed to be able to, like the reason we're given the opportunity to be doing these kind of things is for people like Michael Murphy that sacrifice for us like this. And so, you know, we, a couple of years ago, we went to Ocean City over the weekend for, for vacation. So uh, we went to the local CrossFit to join in on this this workout. And a lot of CrossFits, you can come in. It's a community day. It's a free day. Um, and that's what we did. And uh, it's, it's just a lot of people there. I mean, you're tr- still trying. You're still trying to do your best. But, you know, there's people there just for the experience. So you're walking the mile. Um there's people who instead of running, they're rowing. They're running, rolling on the assault bike. Uh, there's people who are doing um, scaled versions of the that middle part, where instead of doing 100, 200, 300, you're doing 50, 100, 150. You know, it's it's just it's there's all kinds of ways to scale it. The but the best thing about it is no matter what you choose, it's all about finishing it and you know, just the accomplishing something that's, that's really difficult. It is hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's a hard workout and you get done and you're spent. So, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's a nice little, it's a nice little touch to the military. Um, and specifically this one fallen soldier, um, it is a really unique day. Um, like I said, it's the the biggest workout known to CrossFit. So, um, but you know, Jordan, it, it, for for me, like for you, if you wanted to do something like that, I would tell you to just do no weight vest, walk a half a mile, and then do like a scaled version of it. Like instead of pull ups, you can do pull downs. You know, like on a machine. Instead of pulling yourself up, pull yourself down. And so do that and you can do like sissy push-ups, which there's nothing wrong with sissy push-ups. It's all about your level. You said sissy push-ups. That's what's wrong with them. (laughs) No, I mean, you're talking about like being on your knees or being knees under hips. And I mean, it's just all on your level. It's, it's just taking what you can about it. 
And the, the way a lot of people do it is um, instead of – there's kind of debate on what's the right way to do it. There's no right way to do it. It's just – it's about the experience. Um, so what some people do, they'll just do the 100 push, hundred pull-ups. You just – as long as it takes you to do 100 pull-ups, you do that. And then you do the okay, 200 push-ups. <laughs> then you do the 300 body squats. Um, and I did that version last year on my – um my main run with the with the weight vest on um but then there's people who partition it where you do five pull-ups 10 push-ups 20 body squats and you just do that until you reach 100 so i guess it's 20 times you would do that um and that it takes kind of takes the edge off a little bit because you can kind of i mean you can knock out five pull-ups rather quickly but in the middle of doing 100 pull-ups five seat can seem pretty daunting <laughs> you know so um that breaks it up a little bit and that's what i did on the second one where i scaled it with no weight vest um so but i mean it, i encourage people to, even if you're not doing the the rx version go out and do something and you, you don't have to do murph i mean it's if you're deconditioned probably not the best idea but go do something i mean do <laughs> do one lap, walk one lap around the track, do five pull-ups, do 10 push-ups, do uh, 15 body squats, do a lap around the track. That's Even that's going to take you, it, for, for a deconditioned person, that's probably going to take you, it's going to take you over 10 minutes. So that's, that's a decent enough workout. There's, I mean, you can do a little bit more if you want. You can do as many rounds of that 5, 10, 15 as you want. Um... It takes, last year it took me right around, I think it was like around 40 minutes to do the thing. So if the, you just want to be out there for 40 minutes, walk a lap, do 5, 10, 15 until you're, you got about five, six, seven minutes left and then do another lap. No big deal. You know, just do what you can. And that's what it's all about. You know? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to relate it like this. It's kind of like when you go to the beach to go go-karting. Like, you're not there to try to get into NASCAR. You're there to kind of have fun and, you know, spin some people out, get spun out yourself. Like, it's, it's not about who wins and loses. It's just about having fun. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's always about not, who wins and loses. Not on the family track. It is not, especially on the family maybe, track. Maybe on the bullet. Maybe on the bullet. No, no. Even on the family trap, I, on the family track, I will spin Jenny and Kaylee to get the first place. I about spun mom out one time on the truck track at Jolly Rogers. I'm not going to lie. Well, don't, don't you remember when I, uh, when I got run into on the, the NASCAR track at Jolly Rogers and they oh, kicked God. me off? We're getting off tangent here, but that, we're, we're going to circle back to this because we're, we're going to jump onto Ocean City. We're, we're going to jump back on this a little bit later because if we have time, we're, we're going to jump back to that. But I wanted to point out the Murph thing because it is it is a very important thing in the CrossFit space. Um, but if you're going to do it this weekend, just again, don't, don't take it too seriously. Have fun with it. Um, and you know, post, post about it on Facebook. Like, uh, I, <laughs> I tend to try to like, sometimes I look braggy on Facebook. I'll, I'll admit, but it's, I'm not trying to be braggy. I'm trying to post in ways that make people think, Hey, uh, maybe I should be working out. Not like Ryan, but maybe I should be working out too. Maybe that would be a good thing. 
So d don't be afraid to kind of like, hey, I did this. It doesn't, and you can don't do the oh, you know, I sucked at it. Just I did this. That's all. Like that's all it's about. So Jordan, I'm going to challenge you to go do the the scaled version of Murph. Just one lap, five pull ups, ten push ups, fifteen body squats, one lap. You might have to send that to me in a text message so I don't forget. <laughs> All right. All right. So anyone who's doing Murph, good luck this weekend. Um, I'm probably going to – I plan to do it on Monday. Um, I'm going to be on Baby Watch, and it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Uh, we are scheduled the very next day in the morning. wouldn't be the worst thing if that came early, but um, that would probably be the one thing that would keep me from, from actually going and, and doing the workout. So – We'll let no you know. Excuses. Huh? No excuses. Well, a baby isn't an excuse. It's a responsibility, so I'll give you that, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> so we're going to turn over this to Jordan with the Dirt News. All right. So it was a really busy weekend. Um, the All-Stars ran four races, which we were on air last time they were running, and Tyler Courtney won. Um, but to finish off the weekend, so Tyler Courtney won both races at Circle City and then Saturday night at Gas City I-69 Raceway, Cap Henry picked up his first win of the year. And then the All-Stars went to Kokomo Speedway, which is definitely a track I would love to get to. Um, but uh, Zeb Wise picked up his first career All-Star win. I believe he's 18 years old. He's been running the All-Stars, I think, now for three years. Um, but he finally got his first win, so that's awesome for him. Um, with the Outlaws, I'm telling you, man, Sheldon Hottenshield would be your champion this year if this guy wasn't dipped in worse luck than Dale Earnhardt at Daytona. Um, he was leading the race at Attica. Um, and go figure, coming to the white flag, a lap car breaks a tire off the axle, spins right in front of him, ends up taking him out, and David Gravel ends up picking up the win. Then the next night, they're at Sharon Speedway, which, as you know, is owned by the Blaney's, and Sheldon Hodgeshield is leading again with about three to go. A caution comes out. Well, as fate would have it, Dave Blaney is in second. And sure enough... Sheldon Hottenshield bounces off the wall on the white flag lap. Dave Blaney passes him going down the backstretch. Dave Blaney comes off a of four with the lead. And you guessed it, Dave Blaney picked up his 95th World of Outlaw win. Didn't know if you knew he had that many. But his 95th win, it's his first World of Outlaw win in 24 years since 1997 so that was pretty cool still felt bad for sheldon because he should have won back-to-back -back races again but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be then we're going to go to some local news so at lincoln speedway chase deets finally got his first win of the year after being so close and not getting it he finally pulled it off uh mike wagner won a won his first feature at port um, it was uh, apparently follow the leader from what I was seeing. A lot of people complaining about the track. Um, and then Lance DeWeese came through with his 100th career win at Williams Grove. Um, the Hall of Famer did it. It was 
huge news, um, but I'm pretty sure he started on, on the front row because, you know, it's Williams Grove. Um, the World of Outlaws are going to be at Terre Haute, Indiana this week. It's a pretty cool track, pretty big uh, half mile, kind of like Williams Grove. Um, the uh, USACs were just there, I believe, last night, and the bacon went for one of the wildest rides I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh, I saw that. That was crazy. Yeah, he went for one of the wildest rides. But wouldn't you believe he came back and finished third in the feature? <laughs> no um, way. So that that's definitely the means of never giving up. But that's where the outlaws are this weekend. Um, they actually made a meme where like an airplane seen him flipping. That's how high <laughs> Dude, he got. He was he. I I don't think I've ever seen a sprint car get that daggone high. He was up there. Yeah. Yeah, and not having a wing, so it doesn't take any of the like the wind. The wing being there takes a lot of the blow, and when you don't have it, it's just straight frame. Um, so that's where the uh, outlaws are. The all stars are invading Posse Country. Um, they will be at Port Royal this weekend, I believe, Saturday and Sunday. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and in other news, the twenty four car who got a driver. Now, does not have a driver. Um, the driver that was there, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but um, they ended up parting ways after only like five or six races. So maybe something's going on there. Maybe something's not. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, right now, that's what's going on in the dirt world around here. Um, Lincoln will run Saturday, but we're supposed to get rain tomorrow and Saturday and I think maybe a little bit of Sunday. So. Who knows if we'll get any racing, but um, that's what's happening in the dirt world. You know, speaking of rain, uh, they're calling for rain all weekend in Charlotte. Go figure. You know, NASCAR goes anywhere. They, it's going to rain. They can run it right now. Yeah, uh, uh, that's debatable. Um, so we're going to get... I don't know the, about that. Bush proved they can do that. But before, before we go there... Uh, I want to address my displeasure with the fact that uh, the Outlaws are not coming to um, the Charlotte dirt track. At like They usually come the weekend of the 600. It's, I think it's usually the weekend before. It's the weekend, it's the 600, because I remember me and Jenny went the one year, and I remember sitting there watching them do the, uh, the, uh, the practice helicopter drops that they were doing for the 600. Because uh, gotcha. it... What the one of the great things about the 600 is the spectacle that they put on before the race. They, they've always done that at Lowe's Motor Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway. The spectacle before the track is one of the coolest fanfares that there is, and it's a good thing they have that because for the past decade, Charlotte Motor Speedway has not put on great racing on the quad oval. So, but yeah, I was kind of looking forward to. Maybe trying to go see the the dirt race, but it's uh it's not happening in the spring. They'll be here in November, so you know hopefully everything's opened up by then and we can go. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I might actually, if I can try and convince uh, some people to watch bales, I might come down and see the world finals. Maybe Alyssa will come down this year. Maybe we can go and ah. be like, hey, what's up? Ah. I didn't. She's. Did you see that she's running a sprint car now? No. Yeah, she's running her car. Her, her normal car. 
And then she's running a sprint car for someone, too. So Alyssa Rowe is... Oh, Alyssa Rowe? Yeah. Yeah, she's driving, I think, a 305. Yeah, it's 305. Yeah. Who did you think I was talking about? I don't know. You just said Alyssa, and you, you threw me off there. I was like, Alyssa. <laughs> he's so, like, yeah. I'm going to figure out what he's talking about here in a minute, but I don't know what he's talking about yeah, right now. I just don't want to sound like, I'm like, he's talking about a racer, Alyssa, and then, yeah, Alyssa Rowe, yeah. Um, I don't know if they're running their modified this year or not. They I are. haven't seen her post a lot. Not, not as much, but they have been going, but they have had yeah. some terrible luck. Terrible luck, yeah. She gets terrible luck, but she's a really hard racer, and she runs good. Um, I didn't, I don't think when the 305s came to Lincoln, I don't think she was there. I don't think she's real close to Central PA, but... I mean, it's nice to see her come and run because she's one of the girls that she sends it, man. <laughs> All right, so um, let's let's talk about rain. <laughs> um, so we had Coda this weekend, and I made a joke last weekend on if you saw the name of the podcast last weekend, it was "Go Get Your Rain Coda," and I feel like that was appropriate because Probably. it was it was soggy. All weekend. I was wearing a photo on the recliner. <laughs> so, first, I want to talk about, before we talk about the rain, I want to talk about my impression of the track. I was wrong. I was very wrong. Um, I thought for sure there would be minimal passing zones. Um, you know, I, I think it, it kind of goes without saying that the restarts would be exciting, and I think we all knew that because of how wide it is going into turn one. Um, but I kind of thought they'd get spread out and you couldn't, I thought you couldn't pass in the S's. You might pass at the top of the hill on that sharp turn. And then the DRS zone, which will for formula, formula one, the back stretch. I thought you might get a chance to make a pass down there. And I thought that was it. And I was so wrong. Well, let's be real though. Mainly the reason why this was going on was because Rain was the great equalizer. Yeah, yeah, but they did it in the truck race. They did it in the Xfinity race. They did it in the cup race. They were passing in the S's. They were passing um, in the, the the turnaround that goes around the uh, the observation tower. They were passing yeah. into turn 20. They were passing into turn 1. They were passing everywhere on that track. There was not places where you, you people weren't making passes. I... I you're, you're right, but it did rain for the trucks and it rained for Cup. Now, Xfinity, it didn't rain for, but I didn't get to see all Xfinity, the Xfinity race. I just heard Kyle Busch dominated so here's, it. Yeah, here's the glaring difference, difference. And it's so... It's easy to say, well, Kyle Busch dominated that race. It wasn't a very good race. It wasn't a good race for the lead. The racing behind it was pretty good. And I think we can all understand when we say Kyle Busch won an Xfinity race and stunk up the show you kind of put his run into its own classification and look at what everyone else did. And second on back was pretty solid racing throughout the race. If that 54 car is not there, it's not in the picture, which Ty Gibbs jumps in that thing and is a top five car every week. Like, let's be real here. The 54 car is easily the best car in the Xfinity series. Yeah, so can we be real that when Ty Dillon's in it, he gets like the worst luck ever? Well, well that, but I think he puts himself in bad situations too. He has a history right. of doing that. 
But yeah, he he does. But if you take the 54 car out of the equation, it's actually a pretty good race across the board. Um, and like I said, the passing zones, you, you could pass anywhere. So, um, or way more than the two places I thought you might be able to. Um, the, the truck race was, there was rain, but it ended up being a good race. It ended up being, uh, I mean, you had, uh, Todd Gillen pop up there at the end and he was fast beforehand. It's just the way everything cycled out. He, he finally got to lead there late in the race and drove away, and Todd Gilliland was not the guy I would have pegged to win a race, let alone the first race at Coda. That one surprised me. Um, the Xfinity race, I already kind of talked about that. Um, Kyle Busch, is, no one's surprised there, I don't think. Um, but then in the, the cup race, so we, we know we had the rain in the cup race. Um... First of all, I want to address something. I know a lot of people were really frustrated with NASCAR for throwing that red flag at the end and for calling the race. They needed to. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I talked with plenty of guys that were at the racetrack, and they absolutely said it. There was no possible way it was pouring way too hard. And keep in mind, we had Chase Briscoe sitting fifth so he he had a shot to get up there a little farther i mean you never know and it, but everyone i talked to was like dude it was it was raining so hard i couldn't see the cars let alone the drivers being able to see out the windshield he was six because me and davy picked aj almendinger six six <laughs> but again you got to look at it. Kyle Larson has the worst luck, man, because oh the God. strategy was playing right into his favor. And then, oh, red flag for rain. I'm, t I'm telling you right now, Kyle Larson's going to make... He's having a year that Kevin Harvick had in 2015. Uh, he So, Larson is going to make the Final Four. Larson is going to finish second in points. He's going to finish second at Phoenix. I don't know who's going to win, but Larson's going to... That's the year he's going to have. He's going to have so many second-place finishes. He's going to finish second in the championship race. He's going to finish second in the championship. I'm telling you, I'm calling that one right now. But, I mean... Is it fishy that Chase Elliott was leading the race and the race was not playing out into his favor when they threw the caution? You could make that argument, but let's also be real that if you're going to make that argument... Let's remember, I think it was 2015 at Talladega when Dale Jr. was trying to win a race against Joey Logano, and they threw the caution, and they said, nope, 22 to victory lane. If NASCAR was like that, they would have easily put Dale Jr. in the victory circle, because that would have bumped him to the next round of the playoffs and made everyone happy, everything's right with the world, Jr. wins at Talladega. They didn't do it then, so they're, and I don't believe they're doing it now. The track was... Just not good enough. We already had two really, really scary wrecks uh, because guys couldn't see. I mean, it's... I mean, let's be real. If NASCAR was like that, Dale Jr. would have won championships. Right. But to go to go into your point about the guys not being able to see. I mean, show me an angle of Bubba Wallace and Kevin Harvick. Yeah, there's there's none because you couldn't see you couldn't see Bubba's car. So, um, no. Let me tell you what, I went over and I looked at that 41 car when it was in teardown, 
That thing is tore up. There's nothing left on that thing. Dude, that thing is... I asked, that that thing might be making a trip to Junior's Junkyard. Uh, it is It is that. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like, I looked in the floor box, like, the where his feet... The floor box. The f- feet box, where Cole's feet would be. And I can't tell if Cole's just really short in the legs or if that part was smashed in and it just looked like that. And I'm, I'm going to remind you guys, like... The, the cockpit of these cars is extremely safe. But I saw Danica Patrick hit... Uh, it, it didn't look bad on TV, but she got spun out one year in the Aspen Dental Car at Talladega, hit the inside wall head-on, and it, it didn't look... It kind of looked unassuming. She hit so hard that the pedals got damaged and flipped over. And if her feet were in that, in that area, her foot goes with the pedals. So, luckily, she was smart enough to bring her feet back and, and hands back like, you know, they showed her the one year when she wrecked at Daytona. Um, but that could have been Cole's feet, too. If those pedals get flipped, I mean, that's 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 metal, and it's it's moving, and your feet aren't going to be able to fight that. So, uh, Cole was, was very lucky in that situation, and then I don't know if you... I didn't see this until someone said uh, Stenhouse coming into the picture after that, he probably couldn't see the 41 wrecked up in front of him, stopped on the track, as Cole's getting out of the car because he's on fire. Like, we we could have had some really... It could have been a really bad deal. If, if Ricky Stenhouse hit Cole while he's getting out of the car, and let's be honest, no one would be surprised if Ricky did that. Um, until you get the name Ricky Wreckhouse. Um, I thought it was Ricky Stenhouse. Or Ricky Stenhouse. Um, yeah, that's, it just could have been, it could have been a really, really bad situation, but I'm, I'm going to propose it like this. Um, this, we needed this really bad and people are really making us think about, you know, Formula One runs in the rain, IndyCar runs in the rain, uh, NASCAR should be able to run in the rain, blah, blah, blah. Well, look, we tried. And I think if this is at Sonoma, or if this is at Watkins Glen, eh, maybe not Watkins Glen. Uh, if this is at Sonoma, it's probably a different story because you just there's not areas on the track where you get to go that quite that fast. It's not as wide. Yeah. It's not as wide open. That that backstretch is really long, and they get really fast down into in through there. Um, so at other road courses, I don't think you quite have the same effect. Uh, Watkins Glen maybe a little bit because it is kind of a high speed track, but when we got rained on, let's be real. NASCAR created this to make it so that way it was just. Hold on, you you kind of skipped there, Jordan. You with me? Hold on. Okay. I'm back. All right. Let me finish my thought because you got you got jumped out. You couldn't hear me. Um. So, at the, you know, last year at Charlotte, we got rained on in the Roval on Saturday, and we didn't quite have these kind of rooster tails. I know we still had visibility issues, but, I mean, the fastest part of the track is get, coming off of, you know, going down the backstretch in, into the chicane. And it, you're just, you're never moving quite nearly as fast as you are at Coda going down that backstretch. So, um it's a new problem that we have, and so, number one, it kind of throws some roadblocks in as far as trying to run the ovals in the rain, like we have talked about. Uh, it throws some roadblocks in as far as practicality of running some of these road courses. I think 
Watkins Glen would be an interesting one to see how that turns out if we have to run in the rain. Uh, but, you know, on top with that, so A, it kind of shows some limitations, but B, it also shows some potential for innovation. I know they're already testing, uh, I think at Martin, uh, maybe Richmond. I think they're testing at Richmond with some flaps in the back that can open up that can, I think the purpose is to let the water spray out differently instead of creating that big rooster tail, it kind of just falls out the back. So I'm not sure exactly how it works, but they're trying new things to try to make it a better product. And I think NASCAR did everything that they could possibly do. They tried making them run single file and it just got too bad. It was just, it was pouring way too hard. You could see it from some of the camera angles that it was pouring. A lot of the guys I talked to said it was pouring. You just couldn't see. So uh, I think it was the right call to call the race when they did. Um, Coda was a better product than I think I expected. And I think next year, it, I think next year it'll, it, it'll look a lot like the Xfinity race. You might have one person who goes out there and dominates, but a lot of good racing behind it. So I'm excited to get, for us to go back there next year and, and to be able to run a real race there. Yeah, you got me? Yeah, I got you. I can. All right. Um, so my thought was that NASCAR made it so that way they can race in damp conditions or a light rain, but not a monsoon of a rain. And that's what we had there. And, I mean, if for anybody that needs an idea of it, just think about being on the interstate and following an 18-wheeler mm -hmm. in a downpour. And... Tell me how fast your windshield wipers are going. Because, I mean, I know during the race, Joey Logano actually asked NASCAR if they could change the windshield wiper, and NASCAR told them no. But if you're in it for the safety aspect, wouldn't you want them to be able to have the best windshield wipers possible? So, I mean, I get the whole rain axe and it beads, but there's just no beading a clear windshield. And I was a person that I liked the, the light that blinks in the car, but, man, why can't they put a light that blinks on the outside of the car that makes it a little bit brighter to see? Yeah, and I, I think that this being our real first crack at it in this kind of weather, I mean, every every other time we've had to deal with it, it's been at a low-speed track or it's been... It's not been quite as bad. Like, a couple years ago when it rained in Canada, I don't remember it being quite that bad. Um so we're, we're going to learn from this. And with the windshield wipers, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of time and effort spent into crafting that windshield wiper package. Just just that windshield wiper is a lot of engineering time, a lot of dollars spent, a lot of resources to try to make that thing work. And so we're going to learn from that. We're going to learn with the light situation. Um, we're going to try to figure out ways, just like the dirt race, we're going to try to figure out ways to make it a better product to make it better for the next time so we, we're not quite as uh, dangerous with our drivers. So, but I wanted to ask you, Jordan, what did you think of uh, Kevin and Truex's comments? Well, right out of the car, I'm not surprised by their comments. I mean, it's in the heat of the moment. Um, I did like that they had Cole Custer and uh, Truex on camera talking about it because Truex asked him like you know hey what what happened and he was like I couldn't see you at all and I mean based off of the cameras on his car he really he really couldn't and the in car on Truex's camera or on his car 
you couldn't see Michael McDowell till the last second. So it matched their stories. And Kevin Harvick, I, honestly, I feel like if you interview him the next day, it's not going to be as extreme. I mean, I still think he would voice his displeasure with it. But I, I think he was just in the heat of the moment. And, I mean, he felt unsafe because nobody could see. So what do you expect him to say? You would have probably explained it different had it be not just right out of the car. Yeah, and I think some of that is some of the frustration setting in. I mean, last year he led laps, dominated races, and this year, you know, they're still, I think, third most top tens, but um, just just not really top two or three cars week in and week out like we had last year. So uh, I think that's some of that frustration coming out too, and, and this just kind of boiled it over. So, um, but, you know, all in all, I, I was happy with the weekend. I thought it was better than... I anticipated, and I think with without the rain, I thought it would have been a pretty, pretty decent race and good, good passing and good strategy involved. It's nice to see some strategy involved with that. Um, so let's shift over to, uh, from a good road course to a absolutely terrible road course. Um, we're going to talk about Monaco. Um, I like. I like Max Verstappen. Like I like the Haas drivers. Haas is my team, but they're struggling. They're struggling, and so uh, Max has been the guy ever since I've kind of saw him come in. I've been following him. Um, I'm glad to see he won. It was nice to see Lewis Hamilton not only just not just win but struggle. It was. I mean, I'm not trying to root against him, but you know, it kind of was like, he's human. I commented this, I commented this on your Facebook. I mean, to me, he was kind of whiny like Kyle Busch. Well, I'm going to preface it now. I've never had to listen on the radio to a Formula One driver, but anyone who ever asks me, I've had people ask me if Danica Patrick was whiny, if Kurt Busch is whiny. Uh, Let me just tell you, all drivers are whiny. Doesn't matter. They're all whiny. They all complain. It, it just seems to come <laughs> with driving a car. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. So, but... With with all this being said, it was... If, if there wasn't the drama with Leclerc, if there wasn't the drama with Botas's wheel nut getting stuck, this race is absolute trash. There's nothing that happens. Nothing at all. And that's it. I pointed this out, like, to your credit, I've said something on Facebook, I'm like, I don't think there was one pass for position on track the whole race, and somebody corrected me that uh, Schumacher passed Mazepin into the hairpin on lap one, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember that, because I thought that they were both going to careen off into the outside of the hairpin, look just the way that Schumacher lunged in on him, but so, after the drama with the Claire, first of all, Good for him getting the pole. That's his... I'm pretty sure he's from Monaco. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. So it was good. Like, he's hometown. You know, if feel-good story. Uh, then he wrecks, which... It's a hard track. Like, I get it. Um, yeah. It's 
we talked about this last week, how difficult it is to get around there on a video game, let alone driving an actual car. So, uh, but Ferrari really needed that. They needed that pull. They needed that shot in the arm because they have been struggling really bad. Uh, and then they don't even get to go out and race because on their um, parade lap, essentially, the, the, the out lap from the garage to the grid, they have gearbox problems, which they say might have been related to the wreck from the day before. Um, I don't know enough about the mechanical side of Formula One to know if this is unacceptable or not. It, but it seems like it seems like whether or not you're starting on pole, that is an absolute fail. It should have been corrected before, way before this. This should not have been an issue. And I think this kind of goes to show some of Ferrari's shortcomings in the last few years. Uh, I th I hope they feel embarrassed. I really do because that was just not a good look for them. Um, so we, we started off with one less driver and feel bad for Leclerc in that situation, but that was honestly, I feel like if he, if he starts on pole, yeah, he wins that race, especially if he makes it to, to turn one first, I, I think with how good Carlos Seitz ran, or I think that's his name, but he finished second. And I feel like Ferrari was out to prove a point, and them getting knocked off the pole the way they did just just shot in the foot. I mean, they rebounded to get a podium, but I mean that's with Botas going out. But I still think they were out to set something like pretty much say, "Hey guys, we're here now. We got cars to run." And I feel like it just they took three steps back instead of going forward. Yeah, I, I'd almost be inclined to agree with you, but. I almost feel like had they had Leclerc gotten to turn one first, I feel like Ferrari botches the strategy. It's just that's just what they've done. They've done this for the past several years. Um, you've seen kind of the fall of Sebastian Vettel uh, with with some of the calls that they made, and you know I know Leclerc came out kind of strong when he first started with Ferrari, but you know i think he won like two or three races and and he hasn't been back to victory lane since he didn't win at all last year um i think he only ended up having one or two podiums even so um to say that they have been struggling is is kind of an understatement so but for them to get on the podium with science was very good and then uh mclaren with Lando norris that's that was a big deal and Mercedes not on the podium at all. That's a really big deal. That was kind of a shocker. So I got to ask you, talking about Mercedes, and with the seized lug nut or whatever, they claimed it to be on Botas's car. So with NASCAR switching to the single lug, what do they do when that happens to them the first time? That is a great question. Um... And this, this kind of goes back to, I don't know the mechanical side of an F1 car, but I think with the point system we have now, uh, if you have a, a seized lug nut like that, um, you might send the driver back out, and you might have to... I, it kind of depends on the situation, but I think you'll have a spare hub, like all the attachments, so you can disconnect... 
and put a whole new system on. Because I know when Mercedes was leaving Monaco, they still hadn't got the tire off because it was just that far jammed. And so, but the thing is with that, you only get points back to 10th if you spend 15, 20 minutes replacing that whole hub and whatever behind it you need to replace, there's no point in going back out. You're not going to get to 10th. So, I mean, I understand why they park yeah. it immediately. Uh, you don't quite yeah. have that in NASCAR. You, If you lose 10, 15 laps doing that, you're still going to go out there because someone could wreck and you can make that time up. And that's a couple points that at the end of the year, especially if you're floating around 16th, it's a big deal. Yeah. So I think that, that teams are going to be smart and be ready for that situation. Um, just in Formula 1, just because of the way hope. the points go, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I would hope, because that's the first time I've seen it. Not first, it's not the first time it's happened. First time I've seen it. Yeah. But as soon as it happened, I was like, like hmm, wonder what happens when that happens to a NASCAR. I just, I couldn't believe how bad that was. That was, I mean, that thing had to have been freaking cross-threaded like oh my god that that gun wouldn't move it that's that's really bad so i mean he's botas has got to feel like something it's it's all out for him yeah he's a better race than hamilton and a c's lug nut happens Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that you know they they did it on purpose but what i'm saying is like how bad has it got to be that you're finally going to be the number one car possibly on the track and something that rarely happens happens to you? Yeah. And, well, honestly, I feel bad for him, but thank God because it kind of added a little bit of drama to it. And then Vettel with their overcut, which I don't think you hear of overcuts too much. A lot of undercuts as far as pitch strategy. So that was kind of impressive. Uh, And it kind of shows Vettel that, that... he it shows that Vettel still has it. I think if he he has a decent enough car, I think Ferrari really um, not only were they slumping, but I feel like they just took everything away from him and gave it to Leclerc over the last couple years. Yeah. And so um, I think if it shows if he has a decent car, he can still get things done. Um, but, but it did show how hard it is to pass on that track. Dude, it, Hamilton couldn't get through there. I don't think he had the car. Like, he, even, even, it, it wasn't like he was knocking on the door of those guys. When Vettel came out, it was yeah. uh, Vettel, and then, I think Perez, was it? And then, then Hamilton. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And P- Hamilton was on Perez's gearbox for a lap or two, and then he fell right off. He, he, yeah. and so this is the, this kind of begs up, brings up the question about Monaco, it, Monaco is the best racetrack, or it's the biggest race for Formula One. It is an awesome venue, but I don't know that it's really the best place for Formula One to be going. It's just, it's not a good race. You know, unless something happens like it did to Botas, it's not a good race. And I feel like they need to do something, because imagine if the Indy 500 was that bad of a race every year. If the Daytona 500 was that bad of a race every single year. We have problems with those major races, but not like that. I completely forgot what I was going to say. Um, 
but no, yeah, now I remember. Um, so I went and tried to find the stat of any passes were actually made on track, and I could not find it anywhere. Um, I don't know if they keep those stats or not, but I couldn't find it. So if you uh, if you can find that, let me know. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna leave that there. So Monaco Grand Prix, good to see Verstappen win. Good to see Lewis Hamilton struggle and Mercedes struggle, but the racing's just crap. Um, so we're gonna move on to the 600 this weekend, and uh, I, I love the 600. This is another one of those, I love it for what it is, but the racing at Charlotte's just not been great lately. But I'm gonna pick Kyle Larson for this week. I have to. I think he's got to be the guy, and if he's not the guy, he's gonna finish second. All right, well, I'm going to go with good old Bowman the Showman. I think it's a good pick. We're both going with Hendrick here. <clears throat> so I, I wanted to tap in to the Ocean City thing real quick. First of all, um, we, we've been me and him have been going back and forth about fishing lately. Uh, dude, the sea bass is on point right now, and so is the black drum. You need to check this out. In, in Ocean City, we're talking about Ocean City, Maryland. Uh, I read the Coastal Fisherman every week. I've been making notes for when I go to Ocean City over the summer. Um, so it was really cool to see that. Uh, we're talking about going for different species than flounder, which is what we usually go. But uh, I also want to uh, tell, tell the story about uh, you with the uh, the go the go kart. We got three and a half oh. minutes. Oh, we might need all three and a half minutes. <laughs> so. I don't know. How old do you think we were at the time? Oh, it was like 13 and 16, something like that. Yeah, because I could barely see her with the steering wheel. Um, but we got on the go-karts that looked like the NASCARs, and these people got on with us, and they were just tanking everybody. I mean, they were just spinning everyone out, drilling people as hard as they could. And... I mean, I got hit so many times, I don't even, I, I don't know. But apparently at some point I got a warning. I, I don't even know. I can't remember that far. But I do remember that a guy, I think, tried to spin you out or spin dad out. I can't remember. But when he hit you, it spun him sideways, and he went down and hit the guardrail straight on. And I just happened to be coming through on the inside and T-boned him. <laughs> And they threw me off the ride. <laughs> and, I mean, it was... I don't think I've ever seen Dad more mad because they actually broke his phone clip. I do remember that um, from all those people ramming. Um, but, I mean, it was just... That was one of the worst go-karting experiences I ever had. Then when we went and got back on later, they didn't want to let me on. And Dad kind of gave him his two cents. And... uh so they let me on, and they were like, "But the first person he hits, he's out of here." So I just rode around the top. <laughs> that was my uh, that was my first uh, getting used to the very uh, the very edge. You went full Quinn Half. Yeah. <laughs> nah, you can't say that because you didn't wreck anybody. Um, well, apparently I did. <laughs> well, the first time, not the second time. Um, we'll go with Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> so. By the way, uh, so with my Racer Roof Fitness, my ultimate goal is to be able to uh, afford to have a uh, an ad in Coastal Fisherman. So uh, we got 30 seconds, so we want to tie this up real quick. Um, but uh, Jordan, so we're gonna you got anything to finish here? Uh, no, I I don't think I really do. I uh, still didn't get new shoes yet, so. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll we'll check back in on that next week. All right, everybody, have a happy Memorial Day. Uh, take some time, like we said, and we'll catch you next week after the six, 600. See you later. Bye. Later, y'all.